John chapter 11, verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eye? He could, could he not open the eyes of the blind, kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, that's Lazarus, by the way. By the time there is a bad odor, and he has been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to talk from this subject just for a few moments, waiting for a miracle, waiting for a miracle, waiting for a miracle. Father, thank you for these moments we share. We do now come to Jesus and we believe that there are answers in your word, encouragement in your word, guidance in your word and miracles in your presence. And we're believing for all that right now. In Jesus' mighty name, the whole church said aloud, amen, amen. and amen, and amen. John 11, uh, verse 1 through 44 is one of the most amazing stories. It's the final miracle that Jesus would perform in the book of John. It's the seventh sign that he performed, and it's 44 verses that are just packed with, with so many thoughts and ideas. I, I can't touch all of it. It's, it's probably its own series. Uh, but to me, it's this picture intention of prayer. Uh, Lazarus is sick. The sisters call on Jesus to heal him. Jesus takes his time getting to Bethany to heal him. Lazarus dies in that process. And there's so many emotions that happen. There's blame. There's frustration. There's even emotion on the side of Jesus. There's, there's just so many things happening. Then when Lazarus does get healed... And God does, when Jesus does raise him from the dead, then people want to kill Lazarus and kill Jesus. I mean, there's just so much here that is such a picture of our life of faith and our prayer life. And I, I want to just show you three little things that I, that I see in this text. But let me just remind you of this, that, that our God does answer prayer. I hope you know that today. Call unto me. Jeremiah 33, call unto me and I will answer you. I'm going to show you great and mighty things you do not know. That there is a life to experience and there is a life that you can have that is only found in prayer. It's not found anywhere else. It's, it's not accessible to the believer. It's accessible to the person who prays. Prayer is our kingdom advantage. Let me say this, that prayer is not a genie in a bottle. Prayer does not give you everything you want at all times. But prayer is the only way to access the kingdom of God. Right. 
Let me say that one more time. It's not a genie in a bottle. Just because you prayed about it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen the way you want it to happen. But if you want anything to happen in your life, in the realm of God, in the realm of the kingdom, it's only going to happen through prayer. It's not going to happen by complaining. It's not going to happen by posting. It's not going to happen even by reading the word. It's going to happen when we open our mouth and come to Jesus boldly. That's where answers happen. That's where breakthroughs happen. That's where God gives you either the power to receive or the grace to endure. But it only happens in prayer. Every great thing God's ever going to do in your life is going to be connected to your prayer life. Your life will only go as far as your prayer life. Think about when Jesus, um, he heals this boy in Mark 9, and the disciples tried healing him, tried delivering him, and they, and they couldn't do it. And so they said, Lord, why were you able to do this and we weren't? I've always been amazed by this. Jesus did not say, um, well, it was because I'm the son of God and you're not. He didn't say, you know, it's because I'm deity and you're humanity. He didn't say it's because I have a special connection to the Father that you don't have. That's not what he said. He said, this comes out only by prayer and fasting. So he did not say, I'm God and you're not. He said, I pray and you do not. That is the defining mark of spiritual success. Yeah. It is not church attendance, though that's important. It's not Bible reading, though that's important. It is prayer. Because it is some things only come out, some things only happen, some things can only shift, some things can only be received through prayer. And so we see it right here in the text. And here's the first thing that I want to tell you. If if you're going to commit to being a a person of prayer, patience is required. I got one amen. I got one amen. Thank you for that amen, Ernest. I got one. Patience is going to be required because you don't pray and things just... Sometimes, like maybe 10 in your lifetime, I'd like a hundred. I, I, so would I. Um, the Bible said, this is verse five and six, that he heard that Lazarus was sick and he stayed where he was. Think about that. Jesus loved Lazarus, heard that he was ill and did not move. And John makes the point, he stayed. He didn't say, guys, we got to go. He stayed. They had a two-day journey ahead of them, and he stayed an extra two days. That's why by the time that he got to Lazarus, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. He stayed. Maybe you've heard the old preacher say, he's never early, he's never late, he's right on time. I want to say he's never early, he's never late, he's always on his time. Have you noticed this about God? He's just, on, he's just not in a hurry. He's not panicked. He's not freaked out. He's not frantic. He's doing things on his time. Now, there, there are really two reasons that Jesus stayed. One was they were going to kill him in Bethany. So he actually had to, out, he had to wait until that mob left, number one. And number two, he wanted to show that he had authority over death. Here's my point. He had a reason that he waited. And you have to trust that when you pray and while you're waiting, God has a reason that you may not understand. Because if his disciples would have just rolled in, it would have been been an all-out war. 
They would have tried killing Jesus and the disciples. So he had to wait for them to leave before he could enter into Bethany. That's number one. Number two, he wanted to show that he had authority over death, that he couldn't just heal people, but he could raise people because he is the resurrection of the, and the life, and he wanted to give them an illustrated sermon. Here's my point. When I pray and I don't get the answer as quickly as I want to get the answer, I have to trust that God knows what I do not know. Hello, somebody. And he's doing something greater than I could have ever imagined. Isaiah chapter 40 of famous scripture says, those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This word wait literally means expect. It it actually means to lean forward, looking, expecting, hoping, like ready for it. So I'm waiting, but I'm not waiting complaining. I'm waiting, believing that at any second, God could break through. But while I'm waiting, God is doing a greater work in my life. So waiting time is never wasted time. Do not become sluggish, Hebrews 6, 12. But imitate those who through faith and patience, both, Jabin, how do I inherit the promises of God? Faith and patience. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with faith. No, you, it's both. Give me an amen, somebody. It's both. It's just both. It's just both. I don't, I don't want the patient side. I just want the faith side. I know you do, so do I. But that's not how you inherit promises from God. Promises of, from God are received, and it takes two things to receive a promise from God. It takes faith and patience. And those two things have to work together. Patience will be required. Most people never walk in what God has for them, not because they're evil, not because they're sinners, not because they're awful people, but because they were impatient. They just couldn't wait. (laughs) Patience is long-term faith. Oh, this is good preaching today. I think I like it more than you, but it's good preaching today. <laughs> faith, faith is, I mean, excuse me, patience is long-term faith. I'm not just believing God today. Well, I tried it. I went to church. Nothing happened. That's not patience. I tithed one time. Nothing happened. That, that's not patience. I went to counseling once. That's not patience. <laughs> once. Right? I went to a small group. It was weird. That's not patience. We're fixing to start small groups again. Part, part, part of small groups is actually the patience to go, I don't think I click with this group. I'm going to try another. It's, there's a patience to it. I tried forgiving. It didn't work. No, it's, there's a patience. Patience is long-term faith. It's a commitment to faith that is beyond emotion. There is an emotion to faith. But patience is a faith beyond emotion. So like Anna was just singing, I was crying. (laughs) I love that. But I got to have faith when I'm not crying. I got to have faith when I I don't feel God. I got to have faith when I'm not in church. I have to have faith on a Thursday morning. That's patience. Faith believes God can do it now. Patience is the endurance to outlast the frustration. So faith believes God can do it. I believe God can do it right now. I really do. But 
Patience is the endurance to outlast the frustration when the answer doesn't come like I thought it was going to come. When Jesus decides to stay two extra days. So number two, this is, this is big. I've never used this phrase. I've never heard this phrase. I think I'm onto something. Y'all ready? Even sometimes I'm impressed with my own preaching. Hope must be practiced. Is that impressive to anybody else? Maybe as I explain it. Because when I wrote it, I went, oh, like, oh, wow, I've never heard this. Hope must be practiced. You actually have to practice hope. You have to express hope. Let me show you what happens. Verse, verse 20 and 21, Jesus enters Bethany, and Martha immediately starts accusing him. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Watch what she does. She starts rehearsing the past. She starts practicing the past. She starts retelling the past. She's looking at life. She's looking at the resurrection. She's looking at God and yet starts rehearsing her past. Hope has to be practiced. Hope hope would have said, you're here now. I can't rehearse the past because I can't change the past. I can learn from it but I can't change it. See, hopelessness is rehearsing something that you cannot change. I can't change it. I can learn from it, but I can't change it. What what, what does that mean? That means that if all I'm doing is rehearsing where I've been, I'm actually hopeless. Because, well, what if I would have done this? And what if I would have went done, done that? What if I would have dated them? And what, what if I wouldn't have broken up with them? And what if I would have signed that? And what if I wouldn't have went to there? What if I would have listened to that doctor? What if I should have listened to that doctor? What if I... And you're stuck. Yeah. And you're stuck in a, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And you're, and you're stuck wow. blaming. Because here's what I think. I think when we blame God, I think there's always a side to this where we're also blaming ourselves. Okay, I didn't get any amen, so let me say it like this. Every time I've blamed God, I've always secretly been a little bit mad at myself. Man, I should have done, man, I should, man. That's hopelessness. So I have to practice. Hope must be practiced. What does that mean? I got to start talking about the future. I got to start thinking about the future. I got to start talking about the future. I got to start practicing for my future. I got to start thinking about my future. I got to start, I got to start preparing for where I'm going, not where I've been. I've learned from my past. I've learned the lesson, but I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm not going to live in it. Here's what hope means. It means a confident expectation of good. So, so here's my question. What do you talk about more? Don't answer out loud. Why don't you think about that? This, what am I talking about more? Am I talking about my past more than my future? Wow. Hope must be practiced. Very good. 
I actually have to, I have to start talking about my future. And it feels weird because I don't have an emotion attached yet to my future. But I have an emotion attached to my past. So it's easier to go there. So I have to practice hope. What, what if you started putting some pictures on your phone of places you've never been before? Like every picture on my phone right now is places I've been. But what if I put some pictures of places I want to go? The house I want to live in. The college I'm believing for Goldie to go to. That what, if I started, what if I started going that way? Every picture in your home right now is of your past. You know that, right? We still have pictures in our homes. Some people do. They're all, they're all of our past. What if we started preparing for the future that we're believing God for? I've been, you know, we've been talking about my little, my little diet change that I've been on. I'm having to eat things that don't in any way connect emotionally to me. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we went to dinner last night and there was fried chicken on the menu. I emotionally felt the fried chicken. Because I can, I can emotionally go to the crunch. And the texture and the flavor and the, and I ordered a salad. And I didn't, I have no memory of a salad. I have no memory of, but I'm not eating for the pleasure of going out, taking a guest out to dinner on a Saturday night. I'm eating for what I want to look like. I'm eating because there has been, I'm a curse breaker, but there has been heart disease and cancer in the Chavez family tree. So I can go, and I can do that, and I do that. But I got I to gotta pray in tongues and eat salad. <laughs> So I'm, I'm practicing hope. I feel the anointing this morning. Okay. Martha immediately begins to rehearse the past. Watch what Jesus says. He goes, no, no, no I'm the resurrection. He starts practicing hope. He goes, no, 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 let's, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what I'm about to do. She's talking about the past. He's talking about the future. Who are you going to align with, Jesus or Martha? I'm going to go with Jesus. And, and she says, but he stinks. He's been dead for four days. Now, this is an important... Remember, I was telling you that with, with, with the signs that John would write, John was a theologian. He was always giving us... Remember, he's giving us those little blues clues. He was giving us little ideas. So when John goes, Lazarus had been dead four days, we don't know what that means, but John knew what he was saying. Yeah. The theologians of the day, the rabbis of the day, told people that there was hope for resurrection for the first three days. That for the first three days of death, the soul would float over the body. And there was, a, there was a moment there where the soul could re-enter the body or go into Sheol, the place of the dead. 
Now, there's no Bible for that. It's just, it was a, just a, a tradition of the day. So when John says four days dead, he's making a point. Lazarus is already, he's like dead, dead. Stinky dead. Soul in Sheol dead. Here's what I want to tell you, because some of you are going, it's over. I just want to tell you, it's not over. But you got to practice hope. Practicing hope looks like it's not over. Practicing hope says the best is yet to come. Practicing hope says, I don't know how, but I know God's going to do something. I don't know when, but I believe God's going to do something. I don't know what God is going to do, and I don't know how God's going to do it, but I just believe he's going to move in my life. And I know the devil's screaming, it's over. And I know, I know everything around me is screaming, it's four days dead, it's over. But something in me believes that if I'm connected to the resurrection and the life, anything is possible. I believe my marriage can come back together. I believe my body can be healed. I believe this cancer can be healed. I believe my spine can be healed. I believe this blood issue can be healed. I believe my finances can turn around. I be, I, it, it doesn't give me all the doom and gloom you want in this world right now. I still believe that I'm connected to a greater source. I don't care if gas goes to $10 a gallon. I don't care if inflation goes to 20%. I wouldn't be happy about it. Amen. But I'm connected to a greater source. I'm connected to resurrection and to the life. I'm connected to something greater. So I'm believing God. Say amen, everybody. Come on. Hope refuses to allow one moment of disappointment to shape my future. Hope refuses to allow one moment of disappointment to shape its future. We could all share our disappointments. Hope doesn't deny disappointment. Hope is just not bound by disappointment. Limited by disappointment. Chained to disappointment. Hope is believing for something greater while still not denying the fact that there's been pain. That's not what we're... We're not denying the pain of our past. We're denying the power of it to dictate the rest of our life. Lastly, gratitude is your strength. Gratitude is your strength. Let me have the keys come up. Gratitude is your strength. So Jesus comes to the tomb, and here's his prayer. Father, I thank you. Check it out. I want to say it like this. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Heard, not hear. You heard it's already done. You already heard the prayer. We already had the convo. When did that happen? Did that happen on day one, day two, day three, day four? I don't know when it happened, but it was all in Jesus' mind, it was already done because his voice had already been heard. See, after you ask, then you think. Okay, I asked. And now I thank you. You heard that prayer. I'm not saying you can't pray about something twice. But I am saying that after the request has been given, there, is, there should be a shift in your prayers. It goes into gratitude. Father, I thank you. Paul said it like this in Romans 5. Rejoice in. Now I just want to stop there. Right, He's about to say rejoice in trial. But I want to say this. Rejoice in. Not that one yet, but I'm going to get there in a second. 
Rejoice in, here's what I want to say, in anything. Not rejoice for anything. Rejoice in it. So I'm not necessarily happy or grateful about everything, but I will be grateful in everything. I will rejoice in it, knowing that God is doing a work in me. On the mountaintop, rejoice in it. In the valley low, rejoice in it. Great report from the doctors, rejoice in it. Tough report from the doctor, rejoice in it. Not, I'm not rejoicing in the thing. I'm rejoicing in the Lord because eventually my attitude will become the most, and my mindset and my perspective will be the most important thing about my life. <laughs> 16 times in the book of Philippians, Paul would say rejoice. It's easy for Paul to say he was an apostle. From prison, 16 times. He wasn't at the penthouse suite of the Red Rock saying, come on, guys, just be grateful. He's in prison and he goes, rejoice. Re, re, rejoice. How do I rejoice? You rehearse. What do I rehearse? Anything good. And anything God. How do I rejoice? You rehearse. What do I rehearse? Anything good and anything God. I'm, I'm not rehearsing the negative. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear me again, I will say rejoice. This word rejoice is so dope. Y'all ready? It means to lean towards favor. OMG. To rejoice in the Greek language means I'm leaning towards favor. Okay, bad situation. Do I lean towards it? Woe is me. Everything's terrible. It's like, this kind of stuff only happens to me. And never. Is that where I'm going to lean? I'm going to lean towards favor. I believe God's healing me. I believe I'm getting stronger. I believe God has a plan. I believe God heard me the moment I prayed. I believe the tide of the battle, I'm leaning towards favor. Say amen, somebody. It means to be favorably disposed, to be conscious of God's grace and favor. I'm, I'm leaning positive. I'm leaning towards, towards celebration. Let's keep going now. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing. But there's so much to be anxious for. The moment the anxiety hits, pray. If you're thinking about it, pray about it. Anxiety is your sign to pray. Anxiety is the check engine light to pray. Hello. Amen. Yesterday I was driving my car and the, the uh, windshield wiper fluid sign came on. You're running low. Anxiety is that sign. You're running low. Now what do, I, what do I do with the anxiety? I pray in everything. 
I don't know if I should be worried about that. It's not that big of a deal. Pray about that. I don't know. There's a, you know, there's a war going on in Ukraine. I don't know if I should be praying about where my kids are going to go to school. Pray about everything. Pray, pray for them too. But yeah, absolutely pray about where your kids are going to get an education. Absolutely. <laughs> Until we can start our own school. Amen. Pray. And then you'll know where to send your kids. Just give me till 2025, okay? I got a plan. But y'all need to make a lot of money to pay for it. So you need to pray for your own prosperity too. Everything by prayer. Everything. I'm going to pray about everything. Worried about it? Pray about it. Thinking about it? Pray about it. Concerned about it? Pray about it. Excited about it? Pray about it. Pumped about it? Pray about it. Already feels like an answer to prayer. I'm going to pray about it with, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know I prayed about this a month ago, but I thank you that you heard me. For whatever reason, the prayer hasn't come as fast as I thought it was going to come. The answer hasn't come in the form that I thought it was going to But Father, I thank you. I'm not in denial. I have not lost my mind. I know there's so much to be negative about and there's so much negativity. But Father, I thank you. I'm, rejo- I'm leaning towards favor. I'm believing that, that when everyone else is freaking out, God's going to favor my life. Yes. Yes. Inflation's up. God's going to have to give me a raise. Huh? Gas is up. God's going to have to give me a raise. Interest rates are up. God's going to have to give me. I'm leaning towards favor. Oh, there's another outbreak of whatever. God, I'm leaning towards favor. I'm not in denial. I'm really not. I'm a really normal guy. But in the spirit, in prayer, I'm leading. I'm believing. Father, I thank you that you heard me. And, and God, I'm only, I'm, I'm, I'm only even saying this so that they can hear me say it. Because this is going to be a testimony of your goodness. I'm not going to brag on me. I'm going to brag on you, God. I'm not going to brag on the fact that I pray. I'm going to brag on the fact that God answers prayer. I'm not going to brag on the fact that I'm spiritual. I'm going to brag on the fact that I serve the living God, the resurrection and the life. And whatever Lazarus is in your life, I believe that thing is coming back to life. I believe marriages are coming back to life. I believe your body is coming back to life. I believe your children are coming back to life. I believe that business idea is coming back to life. I believe everything that the devil said is dead has to bow its knee at the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that resurrection power is flowing even right now. In Jesus' name, say amen to this preacher. Give God some glory. I believe it's so. I believe it's already done. I believe I'm already healed. I believe the deal has already gone through. I believe my best days are in front of me. I see Lazarus waking up. I see the stone rolling away. Father, I thank you. Say amen. You can be seated. Father, I thank you even right now that you're answering prayer. In Jesus' name. Head bowed. Eyes closed. If you're in this room, you say, Jabin, I do not know Jesus. I do not know the Lord. Or I feel far from God. I feel like I've walked away from God. Pray with me right now. Online, pray with me. Correctional facilities, pray with me right now. I need to give my life to Christ. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, Jesus. 
I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I give you my life, every part of me. And I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen. 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 And amen. Come on, here's your homework. Practice hope this week. If it doesn't sound like hope, don't let it come out of your mouth. Period.